On today's episode of the Cefesa Podcast, the second edition of the Cefesa Podcast, we're talking partnerships. And specifically, we're talking partnerships between manufacturers and service agents in the day of COVID-19. What can both do to help each other out and really help the end user as we navigate through this unprecedented crisis? So sit back listen and learn some stuff because I really do think there's some great ideas, especially for service agents to think about when we are starting to shift to reopening. So enjoy. Welcome to the second edition of the Cefesa podcast. I am Eric Koenig, co-chair of the Cefesa marketing committee and proud member of Cefesa. And today we are going to be looking at the manufacturer perspective of COVID-19 and how that really impacts or helps to build further the relationship between manufacturer and authorized service. Joining me on the line today, we have Darlene Gabbard and Ryan Cutter of HennyPenny, Dave Neidlinger of well-built and John Schwent of Hawkins Commercial, who also happens to be our Cefesa president. But before we dive into the questions, I want to do a quick round of introductions just so everybody can hear from uh, our guests and get a perspective on where they're coming from. So Darlene, let's start with you. Thanks, Eric. Um, let's see, I've been with Henny Penny for about 25 years now. I'm our director of technical services. Our technical services includes international and domestic technical service. Uh, also includes uh, training, documentation, and field service. Great. Welcome to the Partscast or podcast. Sorry, Alice, or I also do this for my for heritage. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> How about yourself? Uh, thanks, Eric. Uh, thanks for including us. Um, well, Darlene and I started very close at the close to the same time at Henny Penny. I've also been with a company for more than 25 years. Uh, my role today is senior vice president, and so I have uh, responsibility for our technical service group, but also uh, our sales, marketing, product strategy, and customer service team. Sounds great. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. And Dave. Okay, Eric. Yeah, th- thank you. Um, I'm Dave Neidlinger with uh, WellBuilt. Sounds like we have a plane taking off. Um, I guess I'm the new guy on the block. I've only got 24 years with WellBuilt. Um, I had about 18 years with Frymaster. Started out in the call center, worked my way up to running Frymaster globally. Um, and then about six years ago, I joined our kitchen care team, the part of WellBuilt kitchen care team, which is all aftermarket service related. So, so now I focus on mainly the hot side of the business, trying to keep all of our various brands marching along the same path and have commonality amongst the well-built uh, brands. So I, I look forward to the conversation. Thank you. Great, as we do, as we do as well, you know, and adding some great perspective across a, a number of touch points. And last but certainly not least, John Schwent. Well. Um, my name is John Schwent, and I work for Hawkins Commercial Appliance Service, independent service company out in Colorado. I'm also the current president of Cefesa, this fine organization that's keeping everybody going. And I'm not going to tell you how long I've been doing this. So, Great. Long time. <laughs> Fantastic. 
a lot of a lot of experience on the on the line today. So with that, let's dive right in. And Darlene, first questions for you. As we think of hey, uh, uh, apologies for the interruption, Eric. Yes, Dan Caltonball here. I moved uh, along. <laughs> Dan, welcome, welcome. So we were actually just doing introductions. So before we dive into the first question, Dan, if you have a few minutes or a couple of seconds, please introduce yourself. Yeah, hello everybody. Uh, Dan Caltonball here. I lead WellBuilt's aftermarket and business simplification programs. I've uh, been with WellBuilt since it was WellBuilt, uh, just a little over four years now. So as part of the separation that's been from Manitowoc Crane, I moved from the industrial crane division over to the commercial food service division to help lead after company. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Great. Great. Welcome. And you're you're the newbie on the block. Four years. We've got 25, 25, 24, and then however long John's been there, because he won't say. <laughs> so, you know, as we as we think about the the COVID crisis and the impact that it's had on all of our operations, you know, one of the things we we really want to think about is partnership, because partnerships really do make us stronger. And Darlene, you know, when we think about authorized service, you know, factory authorized service, what are some of the things, you know, ASAs can do to help support the manufacturing partners during this time? Okay. I think um, there's a couple of things. One, I would say take advantage of this time. Uh, I know that everyone has some downtime and we're encouraging all of our service partners to use um, downtime uh, for them and their technicians on online training and uh, just online research. Also, I think as we come back into the market, as right now, uh, we're all going to have to be very sensitive to the store. The store is going to be sensitive about us bringing technicians into the store. And so some of the things we're hearing from our customers now, and I think we'll continue to hear, of course, it's the obvious things like observing the safety guidelines, but we're also hearing them request that we consider doing service on off hours. So hours when their store employees aren't there making the social distancing and, and those types of things easier. Okay, some it's some some really good advice there right. as we start to think about right. reopening. And so, you know, part of that too is you know once we're out making that call, is trying to minimize the time too that we're in the store. So, you know, take advantage of your manufacturer. You know, we have a, a hotline that's available twenty four seven to anyone that calls in. So, if you have a call, research it first. Call us. Let us help you decide what parts you might need. Trying to make it easier to only be in that store one time and not for a long time. Okay, that's that's good advice, Dave. How about you? What are you What are you hearing from your customers, or what are some things that uh, WellBuild's starting to think about as we get closer to knock on wood, closer to reopening? Yeah, I, I think one one thing we need to be cognizant of is, and we hear a lot of the service providers have furloughed some technicians, obviously, because his work is is down and that was the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, as the recovery is, is ahead of us, we hope that the technicians can be rehired very quickly. We also have to be uh, ready with parts. Um, you know, the servicers know what parts they move much better than the manufacturers do. 
So, you know, there, there may be some parts that need to be stocked in higher quantities than a normal run rate because, you know, all the locations that have shut down, when they turn back on, things are not going to come back on smoothly. So, in parts availability at the, you know, local locations is, is kind of imperative. And, you know, I, I agree with the Darlene that the, the time to get ready, you know, especially with training, we'll, we'll talk about some, some training, um, is, is get the technicians trained. If they're, if they're sitting, you know, at home waiting on something, there's a lot of training we have out there. So, you know, idle time is, uh, is the time to, to get ready for this. So we have parts and train technicians when, they, uh, when the uh, restaurants call us. Great. Yeah, I do want to circle back around on 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 training and, and get a perspective from from both comp or both organizations as as what you're doing um, from a training perspective. But John, um, you know, Dave brought up an interesting comment around parts availability, and I know you know because you and I have talked about this more than a few times. You know, Hawkins Commercial really has kept an inventory of parts. Are are some thing? Are there some some guidelines or some some pointers that you could give some of the other service providers within the SFSA membership as they start to think about, you know, coming back online. You know, I know obviously from a financial perspective, inventory is going to be, you know, a, a, a difficult subject, but, you know, to, to improve those re repair time times, you know, some things to think about from an inventory perspective? Well, I think Dave hit it on the head. Most of the service companies out there do know the uh, inventory that they use. And uh, um, unfortunately, right now, when uh, cash is king, um, most people are not buying unless they have an order for said part. Um, I know our normal stocking orders, of course, we have... Uh, our inventory set up to reorder when needed and we're not needing, so we're not reordering, but, um, the, uh, um, you know, we're going to go into partnerships. I'm going to talk about partnerships and this goes along with that as well. The, the manufacturers have really reached out and have been partnering with us. Uh, I know factory programs are awesome right now because it's keeping us busy. You're right, we have uh, had to furlough some people and cut back our working hours and technicians aren't ones that like to sit around and do nothing. So they're out looking for odd jobs, looking for things to keep them busy, to make money, uh, to support their families. And uh, um, online training, is, it's kind of tough to do because we're responding as quickly as possible when service requests do come in. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been kind of tough to do, um, but but parts-wise, um, you know, I think it's going to cause service companies to refocus on the customers that are calling us and have those demands and, um, and, and stock those parts that, uh, that those customers are needing and using, um, you know, and it, I think we're going to talk about starting up equipment once this stuff gets over with, and and that's gonna that's gonna create a huge challenge for all of us since uh, those are parts that nor aren't your normal wear and tear items. So it's going to be interesting to see how this happens. 
Okay. And so what are what are some other things that service companies should be thinking about in how they approach supporting uh, you know ma- their manufacturer partners, you know, beyond parts and, and, and things like that? I think you know, like I say, the partnerships that we've formed over the years and what's happening right now, there's some manufacturers out there that are re- have really stepped up and are pushing um, their base, their customer base to look towards doing planned maintenance, um, recertifications. Um, one of the manufacturing groups put out a great uh, information package on, hey, if you're going to shut this equipment down, it has to be done properly or you're never going to get it back up. And you're going to end up having to throw the equipment away. Um, other manufacturers, they've kind of just shut down. So I think the service companies out there really know who their true service partners are. And moving forward, those are going to be the ones that uh, uh, get their equipment up and going uh, faster. Because you know, in times like this, it's the partnerships that really make a difference. We have, you know, those customer bases that are calling us and the manufacturers that are working. Great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've always loved about this industry is partnership and the, you know, the ability of this industry to really truly pull together and work to solve a problem as a, as a group versus, you know, individual solutions all, all over the place. So a little bit earlier in the conversations, you know, both Darlene and, and Dave brought up training. Dan, this question's for you. What are some of the training programs that your the kitchen care team has been working on to get uh, service companies online and and kept fresh with uh, equipment? Well, um, thanks for giving me that question, but you should, probably should have gave it to Dave because he's been doing a lot of heavy <laughs> lifting uh, with all of our brands over the course of the last several weeks and uh, was very successful in pulling together uh, some online training. As a matter of fact, I think starting tomorrow, we have over 40 training sessions scheduled across our brands, uh, and that's just this week alone. And uh, so what Dave and his team have been doing are working to continue to build that program so that there, there are training uh training content available over the next uh, four to six weeks. A lot of what they're working on is just what was mentioned earlier. Um, How do you clean and sanitize? How do you restart? What are the top three or four things that you're likely to run into uh, on a piece of equipment that's been idle um, or neglected for a period of time? And so, you know, I'm happy to say that they've got... uh, We've got a nice uh, portfolio of training developed, and I also want to thank Professor for uh, promoting that and making sure that the training availability, knowledge, and awareness is out there in the network. Uh, so thanks much. Thanks, Heather. All right. Dave, uh, and before we move into Ryan and Darlene, uh, you want to add anything about what you're what you're working through from a training perspective? Yeah, I, I'd say some, some of our brands already had um, webcast training available. And, um, I, I think what we, we need to do is, is advertise it more. You know, what, what Dan was saying is we're really getting the hot side keyed up to do a lot of webcasts this week and we're doing them at various times and we're going to be recording them. So they'll be available, you know, off, off times and offline. So the text can get to them. And we are concentrating on our, our top 10 calls and the calls that 
people can see, you know, when the recovery happens. Um, and like Dan said, just this week alone is, is going to be 40 and we're going to continue this on. And I think a advertising is the thing we need to do and easy availability because just because you have it on your website doesn't mean a technician lives on, on your website. So you got to get it out in front of them and make sure they, they know what's available. And th these are short one hour training sessions is what we're doing. And we, we also have, we're working on self-help videos, as you know, and these are short three minute to five minute videos on certain topics as well. So we have a, a lot of things coming. Um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to put a nice pretty bow on a lot of this and get it advertised out there. Okay, great. Darlene, you know, as, as, as technical services for Henny Penny, what are some of the training uh, opportunities your, your, your group is bringing to light? For, for servicers? Sure. We've seen a 68% increase in our online training registrations so far. Uh, first quarter of this year compared to last year, we've been aggressively adding online content. Uh, we were sad to have to cancel, like everyone else, a lot of our on-site training uh, for the first quarter, but we're working on programs that will um, take a lot of what we do on site when folks come here for training and make a, say if it was a three-day class before, uh, we'll do that online. Uh, they can take like eight hours online training and then come to Henny Penny at a later date um, to kind of finish the course with some hands-on training. Uh, the other thing, too, is we have a uh, what I refer to as a knowledge garden that can be accessed through our um, public website. If you just go to our 24-7 uh, support, there's a lot of, um, we're constantly adding articles there uh, that is great for troubleshooting and general training. Great. And so, Ryan, we're going to bring you into the conversation, you know, with, with you know, training on site really having been erased over these last last several weeks the opportunity for sort of touchless or the on you know the on demand training what are what are some of the things that you see are some real opportunities um, you know from a from a sales and marketing perspective to help servicers you know get get uh, get connected sure well it's interesting like like i think other areas of of all of our business what's happened now is moving us to act much more quickly or it's bringing things like online training uh, to a much higher percentage use than maybe they would have happened naturally. So, um, you know, I think Darlene addressed pretty well what we're trying to do at Henny Penny. We, we had already been in a place where we were trying to drive more of our content to online simply because it's, it's just more efficient than having uh, on-site trainings. It, it doesn't replace it for sure. You need the hands-on element. Um, but I think this has only helped to accelerate the importance of continuing to create and add that content. Um, and, and I wanted to jump back briefly to the first question around, you know, how can ASAs support manufacturers? I think simply by remaining open and having at least some limited technician capacity is a is is incredibly appreciated and that's hugely supportive of us um it, henny penny in particular we're heavily uh in the the global chain 
business. That's a, that's a large part of our business. And they've, they've obviously remained open for the most part in the, in the U.S. And in, in some rare cases, they're even busier than, than before this crisis. Not, not very many, but some are. So when there's an issue, if there's a, an equipment down or a service issue, simply having your company be able to respond is uh, incredibly supportive to us. So, so I really thank everyone out there for, for making that happen because it's difficult. And I know you've had to furlough employees, um, but, but maintaining some sort of minimal coverage is uh, incredibly helpful for our mutual customers. Great. And, and, you know, and I'll, this is more of an open question to, to, to both, to both manufacturers. Have you guys started to look at sort of those zero touch online self-diagnostics or at least, you know, you know, using apps like um, Help Lightning and things like that to, to enable, you know, service calls without having to uh, go into a, a restaurant, you know, without having like first diagnose, diagnose what the issue is so you can minimize those touches. We started uh, at Henny Penny using Help Lightning. I'm glad you you brought that up. We started using that probably six, seven months ago, and um, we use it uh, a couple of different ways. We use it sometimes a customer calls in with something that's really just a matter of needing to find a reset button or something like that, and we can uh, easily show them and uh, make that a very short and friendly phone call. And also, we're using it for our technicians in the field. Anytime they get stuck, where we can help them um, to resolve an issue more quickly. Great, yeah, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting tool. I've had the opportunity to uh, to see it demonstrated, but also I even think the the way it's 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 altered its model um, is really making it attractive. Uh, Dan or Dave, any any thoughts on that touchless sort of help diagnostics online tool like a, like a help lightning yeah certainly uh dan here and uh, uh very similar um to darlene's answer we're doing the same um we've got help lightning available and in operation at all of our local clinics and uh you know the timing of that was so you know so appropriate to uh the disaster somebody certainly had a crystal ball um, or just got really, really lucky. But uh, that tool that tool works very well. Um, it's a great tool for simple fixes um, and helping a customer through um, maybe a restart or something along those lines. Um, one thing we've got to you know make sure that we're, we're careful on is is uh, making sure it's a trained and qualified technician that's actually doing the work inside of the piece of equipment. We want to uh, you know, have safety as our number one priority. So where I think the tool comes in, uh, into play also is helping the technician minimize the amount of time they spend in the kitchen, uh, going back to the safety protocol so that they can get in, they can get the piece of equipment back up and running, and then quickly and safely get back. And I also think there's opportunity on the equipment side, really, when you talk about doing remote demonstrations of your equipment. Um, I think there's going to be a uh, uh, opportunity and effect there that we'll see in the marketplace pretty directly. But, you know, at the end of the day, what, what the kitchen managers are looking for right now is, you know, how do you be minimally invasive? How do you come into the kitchen, 
uh, doing uh, you know, proper planning in advance, uh, use of correct, the correct uh, personal protective equipment, um, and you know, uh, safely and easily and without too much invasiveness, uh, get the job done and get the kitchen operated back up and running. Great. And that's where I think uh, tools like that will help. No, no, agreed. And John, you switch it back over to the, the service side. Have have any of your technicians a used a tool like that, but also, you know, helped customers, you know, online with, uh, you know, at least some troubleshooting to prep to to make a call. Well, I was just recently introduced to uh, Help Lightning, and I think it's an incredible tool. I uh, have not implemented yet, but we have been doing FaceTime. All my guys have iPhones, so we've been using FaceTime uh, for a long time works well and i've done that with customers as well and um i think it's it's a great help i i i see the uh in the future there's going to be a lot of uh restaurants that want us to uh work after hours or uh, it's kind of easy right now because most of the restaurants don't open until nine o'clock in the morning where it used to be seven so they need a service, they get their manager to open up the doors at seven for us and we can get a technician in there. But uh, yeah, uh, tools like help nightling are going to be huge in the future. So, you know, I, you would, you would say, uh, you know, word of advice to some of the other service companies that would, that are listening uh, or will be listening to, to the podcast is if they haven't implemented, you know, some of the, even at the, the base level using FaceTime or things like that, this is an area of opportunity to really help customers in the future as we come out of this, because you know the rules are the rules are going to be a little bit different. Absolutely. I mean, back when I was a technician, if you got out a manual to try to read, you know what was going on with a piece of equipment, they got mad at you because they they felt that you should already know that. Uh, they didn't want you being trained while you're servicing their equipment. But I think those that whole scenario has changed especially over the last month great and so I, and I know um, we've we've talked about restarts uh, a couple times already Ryan you know this this questions for you what what opportunities do you see um, you know manufacturer and service provider working together uh, to create restarts programs or really just you know advice around restarts in general as customers who you know yesterday you know or weeks ago turned off a piece of equipment thinking they're going to turn it back on the next day. And, and lo and behold, it's been, you know, six weeks. Yeah. I think it's a great question. Um, and, and, and Darlene probably can answer this one a little bit better. We are, I guess, somewhat fortunate just because of the, of the primary markets we serve. I mean, we're in, we're in all markets, but, uh, but, but the majority of our customers have remained open. So it, it may be less of an issue, uh, f- for us than some of the other manufacturers, um, but certainly, you know, I think part of it is de- dependent upon how the equipment was shut down, uh, particularly in our case, what condition was it left? Um, but Darlene, I, I, I guess you probably would be better to speak to that because I think we've created some materials that would help. Sure. Back at uh, the beginning of March, uh, we created a document uh, around our fryers in general, uh, and they were how to shut it down, what procedures to go through. There's a document on our uh, knowledge garden that I mentioned before, and it uh, walks you through how to shut it down. There's even uh, videos that you can watch uh, for the you know cleaning 
cleaning prior to shutdown, which is a little late now for some of them, but that cleaning prior to shutdown is key. And for the most part, we don't expect any serious problems when they bring the equipment back up, nothing that would um, make the equipment inoperable. But we tried to head that off in the beginning. And um, again, we'll be here 24-7 to help anyone that gets stuck. No, oh, agreed. Yeah, it's I think, uh, you know, customers, maintenance always seems to be the last thing customers want to do on their on their on their pieces of equipment. Dave, you know, from from your perspective, you know, Darlene and Ryan talked about fryers, what other types of equipment, you know, could be uh, or should be thought about uh, from a restart you know, perspective, uh, given a long layoff? That could have some problems. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see a whole wide range of things. Um, like, like what was already said, a lot of the fast food have remained open. Um, but what I think what we're going to see there is, you know, if they have, you know, six, seven, eight fryers, they probably let one or two break. And during the, these down times, you know, with income being down, they probably haven't fixed those. So when the floodgates open, they're going to be wanting everything fixed again. Um, what, what concerns me a lot is a lot of the schools and institutions that have, have shut down totally, um, if they weren't shut down properly, like Darlene was saying, um, like the schools in this area, they, they shut down for spring break and then never came back from spring break. So depending on the condition of all the equipment in the kitchen, the, the cleanliness of the fryers, the filtration systems, you know, the combis, the chemicals, everything, refrigeration, walk-ins. I mean, those things that have been sitting there, if the maintenance people haven't gone in and maintained those, um, hope, and if they wait till August, and that's going to be a really bad thing for the servicers. They're always busy in August anyway, trying to get the schools reopened. And I think it's just going to be five times worse now if this if stuff has sat there for six months. That's just a concern I have about the schools and institutions. So really it's, you know, the advice, you know, again, an opportunity I think for the, for the service companies is if there's a way to proactively market themselves ahead of the traditional sort of go live for, for schools, if they can get themselves in there to, to do some of that, pre, that preventive uh, plan maintenance, uh, you know, now is, now is hopefully that opportunity. To, to get that done. One, one other, one other uh, question that I've, I've, that's been, you know, we've heard a lot of news around, you know, how many restaurants we're going to lose during you know, this shutdown, you know, on the conservative, positive looking side, we're saying 30%, but, you know, we're also looking at it maybe even closer to, to 50%. That's potentially going to put a lot of used equipment on the market and, and i'll leave this this question you know open to to everybody because you know i'm not i'm not certain are there opportunities for manufacturers and service providers to work together to 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 refurb or do something with that equipment to get it into the field with you know either minimum pm programs or minimum warranties depending on the age of the you know i don't know i just is there a way for it to tie to create a relationship between service or manufacturer and whoever acquires that equipment to uh to get to a newer piece of equipment faster yeah what a, what a, it's, 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 it's a random thought in my head <laughs> it's just it's just such an unfortunate situation all the way around to think that we would have 
that many restaurant closures, which I agree is very likely putting that much equipment out into the market, which, you know, unfortunately used equipment can be the biggest competitor uh, for a manufacturer, their, their own used equipment. Um, but it is what it is. And the reality is we still need to be supportive of, of the new owner of that equipment. Um, there could be there could be safety issues. There could be performance issues. You know, at, at, at Henny Penny, all of our equipment has our 800 number on it, which I think is a, a nice, easy, quick way for um, for the new owner of, of this equipment to call us. We can put them in touch with our uh, with our ASAs um, to perform a, a planned maintenance. Um, try to get that relationship off to. Uh, to a good start. So um, hopefully as the economy comes back and those folks are, are building new restaurants, then they're going to remember who we are. But I think, I think that's one way we can partner with them just to be as supportive as possible. Yes. Yes. I, I think, um, you know, there's going to be some of it. I, I wouldn't dare opine on how much of it there's going to be. Um, but I also believe that it's all around you know, starting a new relationship or reestablishing an old relationship as uh, perhaps a kitchen changes ownership. Uh, and, and the good news is, is uh, you know, all pretty much all OEMs have their uh, insignia and contact information on the equipment. And I think, by and large, many of our servicers have their service uh, contact information on the equipment. So it'll be important, you know, on that first contact. Um, to get the you know the kitchen relationship established or reestablished, and you know I think there's a bit of proactivity that we could all be doing. Um, you know, from a service perspective, I think our uh, when our servicers have proactive, you know, safety protocol and COVID entry protocol that they can make sure that the kitchen managers are aware of and are reassured by. Um, you know, getting them in, getting them, uh, getting that relationship going, and you know, giving them peace of mind in that you know the servicer has been working on this equipment. They're, they're very knowledgeable, and uh, this is a new relationship that I, as a kitchen manager, can restart and get a level of comfort that I've got uh, good quality equipment that is in a good state of repair. So I think that's an important piece of it. You know, from a from a manufacturer perspective, well built all our uh, well-built uh, brand call centers are uh, ready and waiting for those calls to uh, come back and uh, you know establish that relationship and get that kitchen operator back up and running. So um, we're here to support in any way we can, any hours that we can, uh, or that we, we needed to. So uh, uh, you know, that's a couple of thoughts I have. Dan, anything? Anything to add? Or yeah, Dave. Dave, sorry, Dave, anything to add? It's Monday. <laughs> no, I, I, I think uh, the, the, the PM and getting the equipment back up to a, a safe working condition is, is paramount. And it's, you know, it's already been um, mentioned a couple times. You know, the, the services are probably going to get the first call or, or maybe the manufacturers. Um, you know, we're, we're, we normally don't get in the business of, arranging and reselling used equipment, but we're going to get the phone call, like it's already been said, but, you know, having that piece of equipment, you know, back up online and producing safe food, you know, the, the services will 
you know, be out in front of that. And uh, again, it's the same, it's probably the same equipment. We just have to make sure they're trained and we'll provide the support on it. It's just remains to be seen how much uh, of that equipment is, is going to get out there or how much of it's going to be scrapped. Great, great information. So before we, we, we start to bring this to a close, you know, I, as I, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, it seems like the, we're getting knock on wood, some positive, you know, inklings about getting closer to, to reopening. You know, we know this is going to sort of be a rolling reopening, you know, not every state is going to do it the same way because it looks like it's going to be up to the states to do that. For, for service companies and manufacturers alike, what would be, you know, one or two key things to think about to, as we, as we work with our customers to bring, to bring a, to, to, to reopen, um, you know, so with that, uh, I'll start with Ryan, you know, just a, a couple takeaways to, to get service companies thinking. I think it's important, um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a difficult time right now. And, and part of the difficulty is just all of the uncertainty about what happens next. Um, but I think, you know, the optimistic way to look at that is that it, this is temporary. It's very difficult, but it is temporary and we'll get through it. And I think it's important for, for all companies, service companies, manufacturers, all of us to, to remember that and to realize that the decisions that we take the actions that we take right now will likely define what some of these, you know, what some of the relationships are going to look like in the future. And so as best as possible to be forward looking and uh, not so stuck in the, the emergency and the crisis of today, but be thinking about, okay, how are we going to come out of this together? And then what do those future relationships okay. look like? Darlene, how about yourself? The one thing I would add to that is, is I think these last couple of months in particular, all of us have been more proactive with our communication with our service partners and just, you know, trying to get a pulse for what's happening uh, in their markets. But I think now, and particularly as we all come back online, that's going to be even more important. And I'd really like to invite our service partners, you know, give us a call. Let us know what you're seeing in your markets. Let us know what we can do to help. Um, you're, you have a front seat that we don't have to what's happening in your market. And I would encourage all of you to give us a call and talk it over. Awesome. Great advice. Dave, how about how about from, from you? Yeah, I, I think the, the servicers out there should be taking the opportunity now to be reaching out to the owner operators that you know, have the locations closed and the schools and institutions, like I said, and say, you know, our technicians have time now. We really need to get in there and do a PM on you to make sure that, you know, when you flip that switch, your equipment comes back online. Because if everybody in your area flips the switch at once, the service providers are going to have to rank you. And, you know, if you're not an A customer of mine, you're going to have to wait. And then you get nothing but a lot of upset customers. So, the more that you can take care of now in, in the downtime when they're at least closed, get in there and do a PM, check out their entire restaurant. I think that'll save a lot of headaches, you know, in the future when that uh, switch is flipped. That, yeah, I mean, proactive and, uh, you know, we can't prevent anything, but we can certainly get ahead of something. So 
that's uh, that is that's great advice as well. And and Dan, yeah, I think uh, much the same as I've, I've just heard. Uh, you know, together we will overcome this. Um, and the OEMs partnering with the servicers, I think, well built. Uh, we've been uh, certainly keeping our ear to the ground, listening to what our our service partners are telling us, and taking action uh, to help support them. Uh, I think that's critical, and, and you can't communicate enough. Um, you know, I've been trying to spend at least part of every day talking to one of our service uh, service providers uh, or parts providers to make sure that uh, you know we understand what they're seeing and they understand what we're seeing, so that we can uh, be as agile as possible coming out of this. Because you really can't predict when, how much, or how long. Uh, the only thing you can do is plan and uh, be ready to execute. Um, so, yeah, the, the service partners as well, but my message to you is uh, give us a call. Uh, let us know what you're seeing. Let us know if you need help. And we'll do everything we can to get this industry back on its feet. No, I, I can't agree more. Yeah, it's, it, it, we're certainly not going to have a universal flip the switch. You know, it's going to be, you know, definitely something that is going to take time to get us back to to whatever, you know, new new normal is, be it restaurants that are going to have to cut capacity by 50% because we have new safety guidelines. They're going to stand up new, you know, delivery and take out operations and, and all that so john i'm gonna i'm gonna leave this last last piece to you and i'm gonna i'm gonna flip flip the script a little bit and from a service perspective if there's one or two things that you would ask our manufacturing partners to to help with or think about as we get towards um reopening the industry what would those what, what could some of those be well <clears throat> cash is king and uh, cash flow is everybody's struggle right now. I know a few of us have gotten the uh, PPP loans. Most of us have not. Um, we're staying busy. We're taking care of the customers that are calling us. From a manufacturer standpoint, I know in the beginning of this, we had some, some programs that we were finishing up, uh, you know, direct directives of the manufacturers. Um, uh, because most restaurants don't have the money to spend on repairing equipment right now. That's what we're seeing. So a place that has four fryers can get by with one or two now. Um, so they're not fixing a lot of things. Um, you know, a lot of places are just flat shut down. A lot of them shut down and are not going to reopen. Um, so I think from a manufacturer standpoint, especially if you have uh, large chain customers or, or you know, um, individuals is 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 helping us sell to those those uh, customers the value of what was said here the starting things back up getting the planned maintenance done um things like that you know most of our planned maintenance that's the first thing that got cut nobody wanted any planned maintenance done because there was no cash to pay um so I mean, it's kind of a catch-22. It's the most important thing to do, but nobody has the money to do it right now. And um, so uh, any help manufacturers can give us getting in with these customers to, to, to plan that out and to give them a, a general idea of what needs to be done instead of 
uh, the average customer call me and say, how long is it going to take to do this? And I say, how long it takes us to do it? And somebody else says, oh, I can do it in half the time or whatever. Manufacturers can really help with that process. Um, getting that word out. Um, I've been inundated with, I'm doing dispatch along with uh, other jobs here at, at Hawkins. And I'm hearing people call up and say, are you open? Can you come service us? So getting that word out is important. A lot of, a lot of restaurants don't even know the service industry is open, which kind of shocked me. But uh, I've, I've, I've had that question quite a few times lately. Um, I know uh, there's, there's a lot of scale back on help uh, facilities in a lot of these chains are cleaning house and letting go the people that have been keeping this equipment up and going. So there's going to be a, a new challenge to develop relationships with the right people because the old people are gone. Um, so this is, it's going to be the wild, I like to call it the wild, wild west. Um, this is all new frontier that, that we're going to definitely have to work together to get through. And, and you know, like what, what was said in the beginning, the partnerships that we can form with each other for our ultimate end user customer, because that is the customer, we got to figure it out together. Um, so I'm going to encourage service companies to work with the manufacturers to give them ideas. Um, even if it's something you hear from your customers, hey, this is what we need from the manufacturing community. This is what we need from the service community. We need to all work together to to uh, right this ship because this is the biggest industry in the country and it's the most hardest hit too. So I wish I had more answers, but I don't. Well said. I mean, we are definitely in a reset and this is going to quicken the pace of what new normal or what the industry really looks like coming out of this. You know, if there's going to be new regulations, new, just new ways of going to market for the food service industry. And we didn't dive too much into hotels, but you know, that is a completely, you know, different segment or cruise ships or, or any of those, those other, um, you know, types of operations that uh, are truly going to be, to be changed on the, on the other side of this. Well, everyone, I want to say thank you for joining us on this second edition of the Cefesa podcast. Some really good conversations, some really good takeaways, I think, both for manufacturers and for, for service companies as we start to think about coming out of this. And I look forward to hosting another podcast and getting more information out into our, our Cefesa community. And for, for those in the Cefesa community or even the manufacturing community, if you've got an idea for a topic, you know, shoot, uh, shoot Cefesa HQ a note and we'll do our best to get it covered. So with that, thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Cefesa podcast. If there is any topics that you'd like to hear covered on the, any following podcasts, please reach out to Cefesa HQ and suggest your ideas, or even better, if you want to be a guest, the more the merrier. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you.